When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. And you know what? I'm going to be a little bit jealous, I have to say, because our guest today, uh, Trish Bigner, who is an activities director, over at a really outstanding, outstanding group of facilities called Life Care Centers of America, is personally right now speaking to us from Hawaii. I know. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that, Trish, but all right. Anyway, <laughs> I've been complaining about activity directors fairly vocally, not about the directors, more about the activities. The directors are, themselves are great people, but the activities they sometimes bring to the table would put anybody to sleep, and if you're already a little cranky, uh, the issue is people don't show up. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to understand what it means, and we're going to understand how, how incredibly important this is to your life, the life of your loved ones, if they are in any kind of care facility, and uh, what it can mean for the future of aging. It's a bigger topic than you would think. So Trish, thank you so much for being with us today. And let's jump in a little bit. Just explain to everybody what Life Care Centers of America is. Um, Life Care Centers of America is a corporation that has, I think, over 200 facilities throughout the United States. We're one of three here on the big island of Hawaii, which is where I'm calling you from. There's also one on the island of Oahu, and there's several scattered across. Um, though they're a big corporation and we get you know, support from our regional people that help us. Here in Hawaii, the activity directors, me and the lady in Hilo, the two Hilo facilities, we call each other, we support each other. Um, we have a vast variety of clientele that come to us. Some people are coming to us on vacation, they fall and get hurt. Some people have lived here and some people um, have only been in Hawaii a few years before they enter our facility. So we work with a, a nice variety of people. Now, you know, one of the things that um, people do when they go, usually with their parents, to an assisted living, a continuing care facility, a nursing home, rehab center, they're going to look around and they're going to see chandeliers. Hopefully they will smell the kitchen and see if it has a nice smell and what the food looks like, look at the bedrooms. But the thing they can't look at, the thing that has to be experienced, are the activities. And that is often the worst part of the facility. Everything looks terrific. And then three months later, mom or dad are just bored to tears. Explain every, to everyone, what is an activities director? What do you guys do? And how can people really know or experience what the activities are going to be at a facility, just like they can taste the food or take a look at, at the size of a room? Sure. So we actually do have that. You're absolutely right. We have a lot of people come in with their loved ones. And um, we just had a lady come in last week who really, really wanted to be one of our residents, but she didn't meet our criteria. Um, so, yes, we encourage them to come in if they want to join in any activity, whether it's prior to admission or the first couple weeks of admission. We welcome any and all families. Some people bring their grandchildren to your famous bingo that no one really thinks is fun. But I have to tell you, 
bingo forms a little bridge, and that's what I think activities does. It forms a bridge. So when I meet our new residents and their family members, I tell them, give us three weeks. We have calendars in every residence room and an activity calendar on the wall in our three different um, units of our facility. So I tell them, look at it. What does your family like? And there's a little square in the bottom of our calendar that says, activities are subject to change due to residence request. So the good thing about bingo or scheduled activities where there's a larger group, um, most residents, when they come into a facility, they think everybody else has lived there forever and they're all friends, but they're the only new person on the block. And it always makes me laugh. I go, well, not true. You know, we have admins like every day and people leave. Yeah, they think right, there's like little clicks, and there is. There's clicks in, in long-term care facilities. But um, so bingo makes this little bridge. So if they're having lunch and there's a new person, we, and some of our long-term residents are really wonderful advocates, I have to say. They'll wheel up to another resident during dinner and go, are you going to join us for bingo tomorrow? Or say it's just that day and they're waiting outside the room for us to open it up. And they're like, why, why don't you sit by me and I'll help you. So the good thing about Hawaii is we have so many wonderful volunteers um, we have people that have had their loved ones in our facility. We have this lady that's been coming for the last year and a half that's been discharged, but that's her social out. She comes with her daughter to play bingo with everybody. So it's a nice little bridge. But beyond bingo, we are seeing now much younger residents that are coming for um, hip replacement, or maybe they have other medical needs, like maybe they just had an amputation or they're on IV antibiotics. Yes, those are the people that don't want to come to bingo. So what do we provide for them? Well, mostly what they miss is that individual one-to-one human companionship. They already have their tablets with them. They have their cell phones. Sometimes they're away from home, like if they fell on their own vacation. Maybe they just have their husband who's there. Um, They want that one-to-one. They want someone to come and provide them with a manicure. They want someone to sit and talk to them. They want to play poker or cribbage. And we have other residents that play poker or cribbage, or I'll call in a special volunteer We have 45 core volunteers, and I have another 20 I can call for different things like that. Um, I think Hawaii, we have a unique opportunity where the weather's good all the time, and we have an independent dining room that overlooks the ocean, and they can see the canoes paddle out in the morning and the afternoon. The sailing ships come in. So it's really relaxing and harmonious out there. and in that dining room, we have a, a, a live kitchen where the residents can choose the meal as if they're in a, in a restaurant. They can say, oh, I'd like a, a hot grilled cheese sandwich, or I'd like, you know. They, they have a variety of seven things they can choose from beyond our regular scheduled meal. Um, yeah. Now, uh, one of the things, Trish, and we're speaking with Trish uh, Bigner, and she is the activities director uh, in one of the Hawaii branches of Life uh, Care Centers of America. We're trying to show you what the cutting edge could be. And what we just had, and I told Trisha I was going to give her a hard time, by the way, so don't anybody write me <laughs> letters. Um, but if you do want to write, you go to generationboldradio.com and go to Ask Adrian and say what you would like to hear next because these are always your shows. And this was one of the big topics. I put um, uh, a lot of effort into vetting uh, assisted living in other communities. They look wonderful. But people do not look happy. They look bored. And what's going on? So that's why activity director may not even be a title that you know. You may not even have met the activity director when you go to some of these places. But you should and you must. 
And as Trish is telling you, there is nothing wrong with pre-experiencing some of the activities and looking on the board uh, to see what they really have. And that board should be spelled B-O-A, uh, B-O-A-R-D, not B-O-R-E-D. <laughs> so, there, yeah, right. So there we go. All right. I'm tough. So let's go go to that. Uh, one of the things that you just did was described beautifully, by the way, a paradise. You can see the water. You can see the boats. You can eat. You have choice, what they call. There's no meal fatigue, they say, in, in the food industry. Um, everything is terrific. But we're going to talk about something else the other way around. That is one of my pet peeves. There is often no opportunity for the residents to become volunteers, for them to contribute to the world. The activities are often with wonderful volunteers, as you have, coming to help them. But if you are a long-term resident, not maybe just a rehab, uh, where you're coming and you're going, or on vacation or whatever, but you're living there, that's your life. Very frequently, there is no opportunity in the activities to give. You're always uh, being uh, told how much you're getting with very little opportunity for giving. And I I just did something. I'll send it over to you, uh, Trish, called Breaking the Mold with three really heavy hitters in the field of innovation. And my piece was about being the positive deviant, the one who is not taking and taking volunteering from others, but being the volunteer. And I know that in a dementia unit, an Alzheimer's unit, this is not realistic. But there are a lot of ways to give back in the world, and I'm going to be very curious when we speak in our next segment about how the, how a life care centers, after all, you're, you are a large organization, 200 uh, all over the country, how they're looking at innovation and where the innovations might be in these kinds of facilities to give people activities that are not just enjoyable and pleasurable to them, which, of course, is very important, but also fulfilling in terms of life purpose. Because when we hear from uh, residents or older adults, I don't want to go to those places, what they really mean is that they feel there isn't enough for them to contribute back. There's plenty to do, but busyness is not inspiring. And it doesn't inspire folks. So when we come back, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about costs. We're going to be talking about trends in the dementia care, which is uh, with life care or centers has huge breakthroughs. You may think that that. All so don't it, go in. But that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da. We have a very big topic here. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. We are talking with Tris Bigner. She is Activities Director uh, in Hawaii. Uh, I know it's a tough job, but somebody has to do it, of the Life Care Centers of America. They are 200 strong. They are leaders in the field, not followers. So when they do things, it's going to have an impact. And when they don't do things, it's going to have an impact. And for those of you who have been following my blog, Aging for Beginners on Bottom Line Personal, please go. And, And I just finished an article. It's not posted yet. 
uh, about a movie called The Last Laugh, where two guys basically escaped from the paradise of a wonderful assisted living community. It had everything that Trish mentions, but did not have an opportunity for them to give back to the community or to work. So, Trish, I'm going to throw this out to you. Is that unique thinking? Is that something that Life Centers has been thinking about doing and discussing, the, the ability to give back as part of the activity? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what the corporation level is looking at for our residents to give back to the community. I really can only speak to what we do in our facility. So we do have residents from short-term for rehab to long-term they're living there. Um, some of our long-term residents will often make things for the residents that are unable to, whether it's coloring pictures to decorate their room or, or things of that nature. We have residents that um, we call our greeters. So we have uh, a lady that that we actually have three of them that personally try to go and meet all the new residents and be the little bridge to encourage them to come here and where to find things and what's available. We have one a one-level facility that seems quite long, and some residents feel very afraid to venture out of their room. Um, we have a lady that her job is to write um, birthday cards for all the other residents, and she had a traumatic brain injury when she was 13. So if they're seeking out things like that, I know that seems very rudimentary. We do try to meet that need. What I've always wanted to foster is if someone, you know, from the high school, because we have a lot of high school volunteers want to be a nurse, then I try to connect them with one of our residents that was a nurse so she can talk about what it was like in her time being a nurse for the last 30 years. Um, I do think there's quite a bit of, of um, expertise and knowledge that can be passed on, and I, and I do try to foster that within my building with our residents and our youth volunteers. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, now they uh, in the corporate field, they put a label on that. They call it reverse mentoring. And mm -hmm. uh, that's when, you know, somebody who is older uh, is mentoring the person who's actually in the workforce when they're already yeah. out of the workforce. And it's just an amazing thing of how that lights up everybody's life. And I'm just so so oh, glad yeah. to hear, you know, that you've given some, some great attention to that. All right, now we, now we get to the part where... Um, you know, it's nice to say all these things and to look for these things, but when you are dealing as um, the Life Care Centers of America does deal with Alzheimer's and dementia care, as well as some patients who are simply almost outpatients, you know, no, no big deal issues. But let's take a look sure. at the, the issues of, of Alzheimer's and dementia care. What is new, if anything? What do you think is missing? What do you think is going to happen? What's the future of that kind of care? Uh, you know, we, we recently shut down our Alzheimer's unit in our facility, um, so we currently do not have an Alzheimer's unit. I'm not sure what the new technology is. I have to say that, you know, in my 21 years of working with them, though Alzheimer's patients all developed and their disease progresses at a different level, I, I really think some of the the basic dealing with the Alzheimer's resident really works best. They don't like wide open spaces. They like very familiar. They like very routine. It just seems to help them process the day. Um, 
Yeah, that's what I'd have to say works best. I mean, do we still have people in our building with dementia? Sure, we just don't have our our secure dementia unit, but we still have to deal with the effects of the disease every day with our residents that still battle it. You know, one of the things that uh, we've been looking at a great deal, and we'll be having some shows on, is the purpose-built environment, which is basically what you're talking about. Um, in, in the little e-book that we just finished called Breaking the Mold, it's really for places like life care centers and uh, dementia centers and adult day centers. And one of the fellows who is a co-author with me, Trish, you're going to uh, appreciate this, landscaped, he's a landscape architect, Disneyland and Disney World. Wow. And he was saying, yes, and he was saying exactly the same thing you just did. He said, look, when you're dealing with dementia care and purpose-built for that, you have to have confined spaces. And and that itself frightens the family more than it does the person with the issue. And so you can actually landscape interior rooms that are small in beautiful ways uh, for people who may not be going out or might even be not allowed to go out because they wander. Uh so that they you can bring the indoors the outdoors in, so all these wonderful things are happening if you go ahead and you and you think it through uh now, one of the things that you that you use here in in some of the things you've written is a word that I was thinking about yesterday isn't used very much, and that is the word dignity uh, my aunt Rose, who brought me up with my mom. Her issue in life was to stay dignified. She had gone through many, many things, including uh, everything from losing teeth to hair and other things. And what she wanted in her life was to be dignified. And that's not a word that's used much. It's a kind of an old-fashioned word. And yet here, uh, one of the things that you, you write about is we believe in the preservation of dignity and sure. respect. Yeah, when we yep. come back, we're going we're gonna to talk about that because it, it isn't usually, it's, it's not a buzzword. It's not something that when you go into assisted living and you're going to talk to the operator or the managing director, they're going to talk about, they're going to tell you about the food. They're going to tell you about the chandeliers. They'll probably tell you about the activities. They'll tell you about the accessible van and how often they take people to the mall or that sort of thing. But they're not going to talk about that part of life and how they create an atmosphere of self-respect and and, and dignity and uh, these different approaches. So this is the amorphous part of judging a facility that's rarely ever mentioned, and that's why the show, The Fountain of Truth, does mention it, because we want you to know what to ask for, what to look for. It's subtle. But this may be more important to the health and, and happiness and even safety of the loved one that might be going into this facility, then how beautiful the chandelier is, and uh, you know how, how if, if the uh, receptionist is marble, or it's made of wood, or it's a little bit of a, a small makeshift table. This is the big difference in life for all of us. So why shouldn't it be that way for people who are older? We come back. We're going to be talking about that and many other things that you may not think to look for you may think that when you go to a community of this type. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. 
for my age. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. Freely admit I'm inappropriate. And hello, hello, hello. I'm going to tell you about a couple of things that are coming up. And then we will get back to our conversation with Trish Bigner, who is the Activities Director of uh, the Life Care Centers of America. There are 200 strong. And by the way, if you want to find out one near you and look more into this, if there's a loved one or yourself that needs some of this type of care that we're talking about, Simply go on the web. It's very, very easy, the Life Care Center of Ameri- Centers of America. You'll find uh, not only their websites, their social media, their story. Uh, and, of course, as always, if you go to our website, generationboldradio.com, generationboldradio.com, uh, you will see uh, information about this show. You'll always be able to listen to it right online. You can go to BizTalk app. And you can hear it free from anywhere in the world. And, of course, you can turn on your radio at our wonderful affiliate stations in Atlanta and Missouri and and everywhere else. So uh, one of the things that that I mentioned was we just did an e-book with a a very, very famous, actually, landscape architect who did Disney, both with Walt Disney, actually, both the themed uh, landscaping in Disney World and Disneyland, as well as... Uh, a, a purpose-built architect, myself, and uh, my partner who works in what's this going to cost a facility? Is it worth doing? And I mentioned the importance, even in an Alzheimer's unit, of bringing the outdoors in. And Trish was amazed. So tell us about uh, the Life Care Centers of America and, and how you have actually actualized that exact kind of environment. Sure. So um, though our, our um, dementia unit has closed down, it was designed for dementia. And so what we had was a triangular garden that was um, fenced off with lattice so the residents could still see out. It has a big, beautiful tree in the center, nice grass. And so if they walked around it, they really didn't feel like they were in such a wide open space, but they didn't feel they were confined either. And then in addition to that, we had Boy Scouts come in and wanted to do something for the elderly, so they made a raised garden so our wheelchair residents could wheel up to that and either plant plants or pick plants. And so we planted everything that was edible because, as you know, with dementia patients, you never know what they're We had things like basil, mints, and um cilantro and tomatoes and so we'd have sometimes we'd cut up the tomatoes with the cilantro and let them do a little tasting in the afternoon but we made sure that it was at their height it was accessible and it was safe for them and they really enjoyed being able to part of the garden was under a shaded area and the other part of the garden was open to the sky and then the shade from the tree and the various plants we also try to plant plants there that they were familiar with, like lemongrass and just different things, tea leaves, things that they would naturally find in their own backyard so they would feel comfortable. You know, the the attention to detail is something I want to bring out here. Um, When people go to look at facilities, they're nervous. They're nervous, they're worried, they're guilty. I mean, the, the feelings, the feelings alone are overwhelming. So the fact that they could concentrate on the fact uh, on cilantro in the afternoon is is not 
usual. But it's the activity director, the uh, manager of the facility, the director of the facility that really has the responsibility of saying to look at all we do. Now, that happens in resident-centered facilities. Explain a resident center the way you guys see it, because it's really your brand. Sure. Um, Well, even just touching a little further on our garden area, so we took aromatherapy classes, and so the lemongrass is a very familiar thing to a lot of our Filipino residents. They use it in, you know, various foods and stuff. Other Oriental people might use in their tea. But what we would do is we'd knot up three or four, you know, branches of the lemongrass and hand it to our residents, and we do exercise. And as we rose their hands over their head, they got to smell the citrus smell of the lemongrass, which is essentially an awakening aroma. And so we would do that in the morning with them before we even started the rest of our day. So we always we are encouraged to educate ourselves and get as much education as we can whether it's web based or with professionals that are in our community to bring the best to our residents every day but to work with what they're familiar with and to start there cuz that's where we're going to be most successful and we talked about the words dignity and self respect as something that sure. doesn't come up uh, you know it's always healthcare and and there's a gym and all of this type of thing but remember, we're dealing often with people who cannot do certain bodily activities. We know right. that if you're going right. to assisted living, it already means that there's some activities of daily living you cannot do for yourself. And already yes. there's a self-respect and dignity issue uh, that, that's, uh, that's prominent in their mind. So what do you do uh, to maintain that dignity, maintain that self-respect? Um, well, the first thing we do is call them by their name of choice. So we have a lot of residents who are named, say, Martha, and then their nickname is something completely not related to Martha. So we start by by asking them that first. What do you want us to call you? Some people think it's very fresh to use their first name. They want to be Mr. Smith. So, okay, he, we will always address him as Mr. Smith. In Hawaii, we address many people as auntie and uncle as a form of respect. If they choose to be called, you know, Auntie Linda, then that's what we're going to call her as well. So we start really at the very base level of their dignity. And then their choice of clothing, what they want to do, you know, um, do they want to sit with others? Some, you know, we deal with a lot of different nationalities, and some nationalities are not very comfortable with, with, you know, a lot of hugging or touching. And so as activities, we always get down on our knees if they're in the in a wheelchair. So we're at eye level when we're speaking to them. We let our hand be out. So if they want to put their hand in ours where we're talking, great. And if they will, then we'll start. Maybe we'll go, you know, Mrs. Smith, can we put a little lotion on you? You know, the AC and the sun makes our skin very dry. So we start really at a very basic level with them to gain their trust and to make them feel comfortable, especially on a dementia unit. Um, that that's just where we start and then dignity for everybody they want their clothes to look good and so we make sure that after they get up from sleeping we put on day clothes we don't want anybody to ever be in our activity room in a in um uh institutionalized kind of um hospital gown you know um and, and sometimes, you know, they're hot or their their shoulders might slip. and They don't want to be exposed. So we're always, you know, making sure their clothes are clean, their faces are wiped, their hair is brushed and styled, their nails are clean. Because, you know, it, whether they're in the garden or they're, they're 
helping themselves when they're eating their own food. Sometimes food gets stuck under there, and it's, though it seems very basic, those things are very important to their dignity to keep their hands clean and their face clean and their clothes nice. It, when we get dressed up to go to dinner, we look good, we feel good. That's how we feel about our residents too. If they look good, they'll feel better. And, and who doesn't want like their hair brushed, you know? <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, the, in, in uh, Breaking the Mold, the little book, one of the other authors is a um, from the world of spas and uh, hospitality, uh, including some of the biggest spas that you know and ones actually in Hawaii. So uh, what he was writing about was how to bring this whole idea that the baby boomer has grown up with as we're aging into a healthcare facility, whether it's a salon, whether it's massage, uh, touching for all. Now, it can't, as you say, there are some cultures where touching is not the thing to do. Others right. that have been used to this kind of pampering, and they don't want to give it up. They're, they're looking right. for a facility that actually has that kind of thing to offer. So new trends are coming up with a melding of the hospitality industry and the healthcare industry. And some of the the small things, the details, uh, and attention to detail that you just presented to us, you really uh, find that there is that more concierge uh, view of things, as opposed to this is a medical, this is a, this is life. It is not a hospital that you're going sure. to stay say in something for a short period of time. Sure, go go right ahead. So down to the spa thing, we do have a spa, Kolana Spa, that's right immediately across the street from us, you know, down the road from the stoplight. Every year they donate Aveda products to our residents, shampoo, conditioner, and lotion, and really good lotion that soaks into their skin. And they have absolutely no connection to our facility. We are so, so lucky in Hawaii to have so many people that have been brought up with the culture of taking care of your kapuna, which is our elderly, and they do it twice a year for Valentine's Day and Christmas. They they bring me 20 boxes, 100 each, of, and we're only a 94-bed facility, and they said, well, if someone comes in after or leaves, we want them to enjoy this little bit of pampering. And we have um, the School of Massage that comes in with their massage students, and they offer our residents massage it's just we really have a all-encompassing community that really donates a lot of their time and specialties towards our residents. Well, and when we come back, we're going to talk about something you brought up a couple of times, which is cultural competence. If you don't know what that means, you got to stay tuned. We'll be right back. Because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is our last segment of the show. I hate this segment because it's the last, and there's always so much more to talk about. So let me tell you that we can continue this conversation in several ways. You can simply uh, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Go to Adrian Berg, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G, on LinkedIn, and we can request that we connect, and that will be wonderful. You can go to our uh, website, generationboldradio.com. Go to Ask Adrian. Tell me what you would like to know or tell me things that I should know and guests you would like to have. 
And finally, you can go to our blog, Aging for Beginners on Bottom Line Personal. Aging for Beginners on Bottom Line Personal. And um, we have just finished an ebook called Breaking the Mold, Innovations in Facilities for Elder Care. And I'm thrilled to have with me Trish Bigner, who is really part of that, that new trend of what we would like to see for our loved ones and maybe eventually one day ourselves. She is the Activities Director in Hawaii of the Life Care Centers of America, 200 strong all over the United States, and you can find them if you Google the Life Care Centers of America. And you should if you're considering um, a facility for, for yourself or somebody that you love. Now, now, Trish, one of the things I asked you during our break was, did I miss anything? Is there something you would really like to tell uh, the listeners? And the answer was yes. And I'm just going to give you the floor on that one about uh, the family. Sure. So um, what we see so often is family members who have the best of intentions. They love their mom. They want to take care of her. But it's an overwhelming job to take care of one person's total needs who you see as your mom or dad who was strong your whole life who raised and supported you and now you have to you know make their food and maybe adapt their food maybe they're on pureed food maybe they can't eat general regular textured diets and then maybe they have incontinence issues maybe they have insomnia so now you're making their food they're up all night you're not sleeping you're worried they're going to fall family members get so burnt out by the time they come and and often we tell them just bring your mom in sooner don't wait till you're at the very brink of burnout to come to a long-term care facility we will love your mom and take care of her and i want you to come and just be her daughter or her son or her brother you know we we have shifts we go home but we're refreshed we work an eight-hour shift sometimes a seven or eleven if you're a nurse or cna but we get to go home and refresh ourselves. And when loved ones try to care for their family 24-7, they never get a break. They might get respite care for a week or so, but then they go back to 24-7, every single need this resident has. That's why in a nursing home you see different departments. Therapy department helps them learn to walk and regain their strength or maintain their level of of function that they're at. They have a dietary department. Someone else is cooking for them. They have different people that assist mom or dad with their meals. They have CNAs that assist them with their incontinence care, with getting them ready for the day with dressing. But all those people take care of one resident. When it's a family member, one family member is trying to take care of all those jobs, and that's exhausting. And when they let go of the guilt of bringing their family member in and join them in the fun things, whether it's an Easter dinner that we invite the family to or just coming to bingo or coming to a music group or coming to a church service with their loved one, something they were familiar with and it's easy and it's fun and they can just be there with their loved one. They they are so relieved. And when they see that it's not this horrible thing that people think of of long-term care, they're actually quite happy, and they go, wow, my mom was really quite shy. I'm surprised she's coming to all these activities. Or look how happy my mom is when she sees me. And the loved one's just as happy to see mom. They're not like, oh, mom's up again. She just went to bed 10 minutes ago. You know, they, both people, the family members and the residents, in some cases, I'm not saying all, do seem to benefit from their loved ones being in a long-term care facility. Yes, you know, uh, Trish, uh, my listeners know about this, and I've written about it in my books. Um, we talk about guilt, and there's a lot of guilt in uh, bringing somebody into a congregate care facility. 
But my mother right. died suddenly at home while I was mm-hmm. on vacation. And mm-hmm. I cannot tell and express the guilt of not bringing somebody to a facility. If you think yeah. it's guilty you just to bring somebody to a facility where they will eventually thrive, and if they don't thrive, you can always bring them out. It's not a prison. They let you out. That's right. You cannot imagine the guilt of not bringing them to a facility, even if they are, like my mom was, a tough old bird who refused to go. Um, mm-hmm. But eventually, needlessly, I passed away at home because there was nobody there. Now, the thing is that uh, we are very interested in the issue of the older adult who will not go or gives the family member a hard time. And honestly, it does devolve on the responsibility of the uh, activities director, the director of the facility, to make that first visit, the, the look-and-see visit, so compelling that even the person who is very reluctant to go and the family members with all that guilt will say, you know what, let's open our minds to this. Maybe this is the right thing to do. Let's give it a second look, or let's experience some of those activities, as you said. And cultural competency is a phrase that we should all know. It simply means that, look, if your loved one is older and they speak a different language as their first language than English, or as Trish said, they're Filipino and they love the smell of lemongrass, which perhaps some other culture wouldn't. It would be a different kind of thing that they that they love. Uh, or their foods, or the way they like to be touched or not touched. If your community that you're looking at doesn't understand that, then your older loved one is not going to want to go there. And there's a fancy word for we call it cultural competency, but look at that too. Don't just look at the chandelier because they don't want to go to that place as a place. They want to go to that place as a lifestyle. So, Trish, we thank you so much on this, and I think it's. It, it, oh, I'm a little jealous that you're in Hawaii, but uh, tell <laughs> us again how how many uh, facilities are there in Hawaii? Two. So, two on our big other? island, there's three. There's Life Care Center of Kona, there's Life Care Hilo, and there's Haleanui Nui, and then we have one on the island of Oahu, which is Kapuna Waiola. Well, that's wonderful, and and as we talked about a little bit, uh, perhaps the Hawaiian culture is more, a little bit more giving, very volunteer-oriented, uh, uh, and slower so that people have time to care for each other, and you certainly are a symbol of that. Thank you so much for being with us. And as I say at the end of every show, Trish, you don't know this, but I'm going to say it right now. We're empowered, so get out there, kids, and make it happen. Yeah.